And hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education and politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. Kevin, this week, uh, at the beginning of the week, you unveiled a reporting project that had been in the works uh, for months that had taken you from Boise down to the Twin Falls area uh, for interviews and, and, and research. So tell us a little bit about the Refugee Project and, and what you learned in your reporting. Well, yes, and, and Andrew Reed and I had gone to Boise and Twin Falls over the course of the past couple of months to look at the refugee programs in those two districts. They're, they're two of the largest refugee programs in Idaho. And what I wanted to do with this was I wanted to take a look at refugee education, uh, immigrant education, in light of what we're seeing, the national debates over uh, refugee policy, immigration policy, and even the local debates. Uh, what was interesting about going to Twin Falls is that uh, we were there at the time of a local debate over the refugee center at the College of Southern Idaho, which has been kind of the feeder into the Twin Falls schools. I mean, for decades, refugees have been coming to Twin Falls, uh, and they they start out kind of you know going through the refugee center at CSI. Uh, that allows uh, some some folks at the center to try to figure out where these kids are in terms of their educational background, uh, get a sense of where the families are, so that they can best figure out uh, how these kids can acclimate into the schools. So the, the ballot initiative was an attempt to try to close down that uh, college's refugee center. It never made it onto the ballot, didn't even come close to making it onto the ballot. So that kind of became the backdrop to the story in Twin Falls. But it's really a very human story, too. I, I hope it is anyway. And I think the, the photos and the videos definitely bring the, the human face to this, you know, this very moving story about these students that are coming from, from poverty and from war-torn uh, corners of the world uh, to, you know, to Boise or Twin Falls and you know, trying to get started in a new education system, a very different education system from what they've seen before, very different setting. Sure. And, and tell me a little bit more about why you picked Twin Falls, why Twin Falls was an interesting uh, case study for this. Uh, the refugee population is something they've had experience with for, for years, right? Right. Um, I mean, Twin Falls has been acclimating, welcoming refugees into the school system for 30 years. Uh, Wiley Dobbs, the superintendent, remembers it from when he was a young junior high school teacher. Uh, kids were coming from Southeast Asia, and they knew the geography of Southeast Asia. And he was trying to teach world geography, so he found he had these kind of built-in go-to experts in his classroom. I think Superintendent Dobbs really kind of puts a voice to a lot of the sentiment in Twin Falls about the refugee program, that this is something that he sees as really kind of enhanced the school experience for everybody, that, that Native students really learn from the exposure and the experience of sharing a classroom with kids from Southeast Asia. You know, we lived in Twin Falls in the late 90s, and my oldest kid was starting to go to school there. And at the time, in the late 90s, the, the hotbed, you know, the global hotbed in terms of refugee policy was Bosnia. So you had, you know, had young kids and families coming from Bosnia to Twin Falls. It wasn't that big a deal in the in the Twin Falls district. It wasn't something that was talked about very much. It was just part of the fabric of the district. I remember that as a parent. And, and that, you know, talking to Superintendent Dobbs, talking to some of the teachers, 
you kind of get that sense that this is something that they're very passionate about, that they think has really enhanced the learning experience in, well, let's face it, it's a district that's a couple hours from Boise. It's a fairly isolated community. Uh, it's not near uh, a major college or uh, you know, anything like that. So it's a little bit of an insulated community, and this is really kind of... Uh, Changed the demographics of that community, and you know, district officials say it's changed that demographic and that community for the better. And you know, that that became kind of the springboard for the series. Absolutely, it was a fascinating project. You broke it into several parts. Our listeners can go check it out at www.idahoednews.org. If they missed it, it dropped earlier this week. And I want to give a special shout out to Andrew Reed, our photographer and multimedia reporter. I think, Kevin, this may have been some of Andrew's finest work yet that we've seen out of him on this project. Oh, it's, um, it's, it's great stuff. I mean, you, you really do need to click on the videos. They're short, but you really get the voices and the, you know, the perspectives of some of the key, um, the key educators, but also the kids. It really brings it home. So it's... It, he did great stuff, so I hope you check, uh, check out his videos as well. Absolutely. Very well done. Worth checking out. Worth everybody's time, for sure. Now, turning on to other topics, uh, including the, uh, the ongoing election season. We're now uh, about uh, 10 days away from the May primaries. You've been breaking down the primaries. Let's talk a little bit about one that has kind of been on our radar really ever since the filing period. This is one in West Ada County. Yeah, this is, uh, earlier this week I had an article drop on the house race between Gay Ann DeMordant and Douglas R. Jones. And this is going to be in northern Ada County, parts of Meridian, Eagle, and Star. It's all within the West Ada School District boundaries. And there's a couple of reasons why I think this could be a race to watch for people over in the Treasure Valley in this side of the state Kevin, number one, there is no incumbent in the race whatsoever. Uh, gentleman who holds the seat right now, House Education Chairman Reed DeMordant, the husband of okay. candidate Gayanne DeMordant, announced earlier this year that he is not seeking re-election, that he's effectively retiring from the legislature. His wife is running for a seat, and also Douglas R. Jones, who represented uh, the Magic Valley in the legislature, serving in the Idaho House for 20 years uh, before briefly moving out of the state, has run. And uh, so the two of them are going to square off in the May 17th Republican primary. I, they both have a lot of experience. Gayanne Mordaunt is involved with the Charter School Commission and the Ada County Republican Party Executive Committee. Uh, both candidates are saying that education issues in the economy are their top priorities in this race and if they're elected. And so I think that one, Kevin, can be a fun one to watch. I think both of those candidates um, would like to have a seat on the education committee next year if they are successful. You know, the winner of this May primary, I do want to point out, uh, would have a Democratic opponent right. in November's general election. But I think this one will be an interesting one uh, to watch and, and to watch on election night. And I'm not really sure how it's going to go. No, and and it'll be an interesting sort of a bellwether for that legislative district, like a lot of these Republican primaries are going to be. You know, this legislative district, the West Ada legislative districts, have not only skewed Republican in past elections, they've skewed conservative Republican in the past few election cycles. 
Doug Jones, when he was in the legislature, was, was a moderate Republican. I think by most any metric, he would be placed there. Um, you know, Gay Ann Mordaunt has not served in the legislature before, so she doesn't have a voting record. I think uh, most observers would say that her husband, Reed Mordaunt, kind of was a, a center-right conservative. He wasn't, uh, he was somewhere between kind of the moderate wing, but also between sort of the hard right uh, yeah. wing of the party. So that's going to be a chance to kind of see sort of the pulse of District 14, but, you know, we can say that about a lot of these legislative races. You know, how conservative is District 1, where you have uh, Sean Keogh facing a challenge? How conservative is, is Luke Malik's legislative district in Coeur d'Alene? Uh, some of the districts in eastern Idaho that our, our Devin Bodkin has looked at, you know, District 34, where we have Ron Nate with a challenger, Wendy Horman with a challenger in her district in Idaho Falls. So we'll get a sense of these districts a little bit more come May 17th, and between now and May 17th, we'll have more uh, legislative election previews coming up. Yeah, and just another point real quick on the finding out where these districts lie, and we've had a chance to talk to a lot of these candidates already, and we've run profiles for the last three weeks. In a lot of these races, Kevin, the Idaho Freedom Index scores for uh, lawmakers are being brought up by their opponents, and so it'll be interesting to see if that is something that resonates with voters. If, if you're a conservative candidate and you're catering to the conservative wing of the party, that's become sort of a talking point, uh, bringing up the Freedom Index scores. So we'll see how much credence voters put into those scores. So it's not just a bellwether for these districts, it's going to be a bellwether for where does the Idaho Freedom Foundation stand in terms of political clout? Absolutely. Let's stay in the same part of the state, the same neighborhood even, Kevin, and talk a little bit more about the West Ada School District. You had some breaking news on Friday morning involving the former superintendent. What did you learn? Well, what we learned is that Linda Clark, the former superintendent, has reached a settlement with the district for $160,000. And what this does is it basically drops any legal claims on either side in this very public dispute between the district and the former superintendent. Uh, she had apparently been ready to go to federal court to protest her dismissal. Um, that suit will be dropped. The money basically comes to more or less about what she would have received in salary and benefits had she stayed on for, uh, for a full year under her old contract. The money apparently does not come from the district itself. It comes through an insurance settlement. So it's 160000 It's another piece of the West Ada puzzle. But keep in mind, you still have recall elections on May 17th involving two of the trustees. And if you're a voter in that district or just curious about how West Ada got to where it is, uh, we have a lot of in-depth coverage at idahoednews.org. You can go back and look at my stories from last week and link to kivitv.com from our coverage because they did really, really great, exhaustive, uh, long-form look at that whole dispute. So if you're trying to catch up, that's a good place to go. You had a little bit of news in Nampa uh, about an innovation school that they would like to launch. Uh, bring us up to speed there. Yeah, this connects back to the most recent legislative session, but on Wednesday of this week, Nampa School District officials announced that they have received a $1 million grant to help launch a new high school. And this ties back to House Bill 570 from the most recent legislative session. Uh, this was passed into law and this creates the Innovative Schools Act where essentially the legislature is looking to give uh, up to 10 schools, 10 districts that apply to be in this program, 
um, some chances to be innovative, some chances to get out from under some of the more traditional restrictions and regulations to try some new things. And so the Nampa School District and their superintendent, David Peterson, announced that they have received a $1 million grant to build a new school called the Treasure Valley Leadership Academy, which is slated to open for the 2017-2018 school year. They plan to use that money um, to focus on kind of four key areas, academic excellence, lifelong learning, citizenship, innovative thinking. And that grant did come from the J.A. and Catherine Albertson Family Foundation. And I do want to disclose to our listeners that uh, at Idaho Education News, we are also funded by a grant from the Albertson Family Foundation. But So what, what this means is essentially we're starting to we saw the policy developed at the beginning part of this year, and now we're starting to see school districts respond to it. Uh, Superintendent Peterson out of Nampa said he wants his district to be one of the first to apply for this program. So we're starting to see the schools take interest and uh, some funding partners, some nonprofits in the community um, respond as well. So, And as I recall, it's kind of a first-come, first-served uh, application for the money. So it's... Uh, July 1st is the day that districts and schools can apply, so we'll, we'll get to see you know, who applies on July 1st, how fast the applications come in, and who gets a cut of the money. Yeah, be news to follow all summer for sure. See if other schools follow suit and what their plans are. Last week, Kevin, we talked about me heading out into the world. This week, I want to play Where in the World is Kevin Richard. You had a chance to travel back east with some of the best education reporters in the country. What were you up to? Well, I was at the uh, Education Writers Association's National Seminar, and it was in Boston. And uh, yes, I did get to see the finish line of the Boston Marathon. So as a, as a runner, that was kind of, you know, that, that was kind of special. And got to do a little bit of sightseeing, but most importantly, uh, two days of some very intense uh, seminars and some very intense uh, learning about education topics ranging from uh, charter schools. There's a big debate over charter school and charter school expansion in Massachusetts. Uh, to learning more about school security issues, which are going to be big in Idaho as we roll into that. Uh, the, the assessment process, the teacher assessment process, uh, the evaluations process for teachers, uh, a lot of the topics that we've been writing about in the past and will continue to write about some very, um, you know, you know, very hands-on learning about some issues that we're, we're going to be writing about. So I come back with a lot of story ideas and, and probably the biggest of the bunch. I, I write on my blog about some of my takeaways. One of the biggest takeaways for me was ESA, the, the Every Student Succeeds Act. We've talked about it. The No Child Left Behind replacement. The son or daughter of No yeah. Child Left Behind. The, the depth of responsibility that gives to the states and the, and the duties that now fall to the states under ESA are more broad and more far-reaching than I had imagined. I had a vague idea. ESA is something we'll need to keep an eye on. It's a big deal. There is so much stuff that we're going to have to keep an eye on from what sort of accountability measure does uh, Sharia Barra try to create and how do you judge, how do you rate schools, um, to do you make any changes in the assessment process, to what do you do with at-risk schools? You're supposed to identify the the bottom 5% uh, performing schools and come up with a plan to bring them back up. So that falls to Sherry Ibarra. You've spoken to her. I've heard from her. She's very excited about this law. She's very excited about what it entails and what it allows the states to do. What 
her department does and what states do with this law is going to be very important to watch. So I feel like I came back with a lot of the homework assignment, and, and ESA is definitely at the top of that list. Yeah, I think this, Kevin, you're absolutely right, could dominate the second half of Superintendent Ibarra's term in office. So we will watch for that. Right, because the discussion in 2016 over ESA, and we heard a little bit of it in the legislative session, was, hey, we're still trying to sort out what this law says, what it means, what it requires. So it's kind of a wait and see. Come the rest of this year and definitely into the 2017 session, there will be a lot more a lot more meat to this discussion, a lot more detail, and a lot more of uh, a lot more decisions that are going to have to be made at the state level. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that. Absolutely. Real quick, before we say goodbye this week, I want to point out that Kevin, just before you went to Boston, you and the rest of our team had a chance to represent Idaho Ed News at the Idaho Press Club annual banquet on Saturday night in Boise. And it was, it was a big night for us. It was a special night. We got to celebrate some of our colleagues and some of the work that we did throughout the year. Um, but just real quick, tell us yeah. about the evening. Yeah, the, the quick headline for us, uh, we came away with uh, 10 awards in a variety of categories. It's the most awards we've won, won in the three years of our existence, so that's a good thing. Uh, recognition for a lot of stuff that we've uh, put a lot of work into. Your work on the teacher evaluation process. Uh, some of the work that I've done on uh, teacher salaries. Uh, I'm kind of proud that we both won awards in the First Amendment category. Uh, you know, the kind of the, you know, the watchdog role of using public records to examine what's really going on, which, which you did on the teacher evaluation front, which which I tried to do on the SBAC uh, assessment uh, grading process. So a good year, and um, hoping for even better things come the 2017 awards. Absolutely feel very good about any time that we can get involved helping out with causes related to the First Amendment. It's been a busy week. Come on back next week for a brand new edition of the Extra Credit Podcast. Meanwhile, be sure to check Idaho Ed News every day next week. We're going to get you geared up for the May 17th primaries in Idaho. But as always, thank you so much for listening to Extra Credit. I am Clark. I'm Kevin. We'll talk to you next week.